LeBron is playing so many minutes right now. Yeah, he's superhuman, but eventually his superhuman powers go away. So that would be more of my concern if I'm a Cavs fan. You are locked on Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We've got a lot to talk about because there were 11 games on Wednesday. There were big lines literally coming out of the NBA's ass. They were all over the place. Lots to talk about. And then we've got Thursday's two-game slate to preview. So let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. Also, just a, a quick uh, shout-out, I guess. Maybe a shout-out to the Australian soccer team that qualified for the World Cup last night. We were pretty pumped about that down here. So we're going to the World Cup for the fourth consecutive year. So oh, fourth consecutive World Cup. So pretty uh, pretty excited about that qualification last night. So shout-out to all the... Uh, all the boys in the in the Socceroos and uh, pretty uh, pretty exciting stuff for us down here. But they, let's talk NBA because it was just there's just too much going on. We need to start with the monstrous line of the night, which of course is the young gun of the night because of course it is Joel Embiid. I forget monstrous line of the night. Is this the monstrous line of the season? I don't know. There's been some pretty big lines, but shit, that is that is ludicrous. Forty six points for Joel. 15 rebounds, seven assists, two threes, seven blocks. What? 14 of 20 from the field and 16 of 19 from the free throw line. He played a large amount of minutes as well. 35 in this one, 36 two days ago. Um, it's over. It's, it's over. This bloke is going to be the best player in fantasy basketball. Uh, at some point, he is going to be the best player in the NBA at some point. It is, it is legitimately over. Now, of course, he could get hurt at any point, but if he is playing 36 minutes a night, and we're halfway through November, it's done. And if you grabbed him in round four, again, barring an injury, forget people, oh, he's going to be on minutes restrictions all season. And he'll probably still sit out the back-to-back. The Sixers have got two back-to-backs coming up in the next three weeks. So maybe he misses two of those games. Doesn't matter. He's just putting up numbers at a, at, at a ludicrous, ludicrous level. His last two games where he's played those big minutes, he has scored 78 points. He's had 31 rebounds, eight blocks. He's been to the line 35 times. You just you can't you can't stop him. It's it's done. And the thing is that he's now got a teammate who could be just as good. Embiid and Simmons, surely they are going to be Eastern Conference All Stars this year. They is just wait till the rest of this team fills out. They're going to get another draft pick, obviously at some point. They're making the playoffs this year, but they could very easily find themselves. Imagine they get the number one pick this year. <laughs> that, that could really happen, um, or it could happen next year. Um, they're, they're going to make the playoffs, I would say. They are just putting up ludicrous, ludicrous performances. These two guys are insanity. If Fultz actually becomes 70% of the player they thought he, he was, like he doesn't even have to play a starring role on this team. It, it is it is crazy how good Joel Embiid is. That's, those sort of numbers are just things where you go, man, he's playing 35 minutes. That's almost the most amazing thing is he played 35 minutes. We weren't expecting that. I said... Oh, he'll play 30 minutes a night by December. Forget that, man. He's 35 minutes in the middle of November. Um, he is legitimately going to finish in the top 10 this season. You, you would, you would imagine, or, or I would imagine anyway. He is currently the 12th ranked player in only 29 minutes a game, averaging 23 and 11, 
and only won three a game, which is going to go up. Three and a half assists, a steal, 1.9 blocks, 52 and 76. He can, ahead of him is Porzingis, Jokic, Towns, Lillard. I think he can jump all of those guys. And then we're looking at Davis, Durant, Curry, Adedokumpo, Harden, Cousins, and James. Um, yeah, look, he can, uh, he can really, really, really make a step forward and at least get to the eighth ranked player, I would say, this year. Maybe even further. He is, and by, by next year, if he plays 70 games this year, if he plays 70, 74 games this year, which is a big stretch, if he gets 70 plus games, he would almost be the favorite for the number one pick next season. And that's dumb to say with Harden around, with Yarny around, with Townsy around. You would, I'm talking about Embiid for too long, but it's just, it's ridiculous. It is literally ridiculous the shit this guy can do. And he hasn't been playing basketball for that long. It is absolute craziness. Of course, he is your young gun of the night as well. The, Waiver wire line of the night. I thought I was going to be able to play this uh, play this drop right off the bat. The Undertaker, the American badass, Dwayne Deadman. I thought his numbers at halftime, all right, cool. Locked in, monstrous line of the night, Deadman, he's got it. He only played 24 minutes because the Kings are an absolute disgrace of a shit show of an organization. Shout out to the Chicago Bulls, but the Kings are disgraceful. So he didn't even have to play in the second half. Deadman put up 20 points with 14 rebounds. He had a three. He had five assists. He had two steals and two blocks. He was nine of 10 from the field, and he was uh, disappointing, I guess, one of three from the free throw line. He is the 23rd ranked player over the last week is The Undertaker. He started off the season a little bit slowly, but now he's the 81st ranked player over the course of the season in only 24 minutes, averaging 11 and 8, a block a game, 61% from the field and 80% from the line. They are extraordinarily good percentage numbers. He is a guy that I think you have to own in every 12-team league. In a points league, his value does dissipate because so much of his value is derived from those strong percentages, especially the field goal percentage, which isn't going to count as much in a uh, in a points league, but in a um, in a standard head to head league, nine category, eight category, twenty category, I think Deadman has to be owned in twelve team leagues and probably tens, but I'm not so sure uh, about tens. It depends on I guess how strong your team is, but he is putting up you know, really good numbers. Looks so much more comfortable now than what he did at the start of the season. I just wish that they would go and, and play him twenty five or twenty six minutes a night. Obviously, that would reduce the Baptist John Collins minutes, but I want him to play at the four a little bit as well. But Deadman. This is, I didn't expect this, but the sort of average numbers that he's putting up is what I thought he could do for the season. And his last four games, 14 and 9, yeah, that's that's something where I thought he had upside to get to that level. Really putting up some really good performances at the moment, the undertaker, Dwayne Dedman. So have a look to see if he is around, if he is available in any of your leagues. He is not owned, he is not unowned in any of my leagues. He is owned in all of those, but in some of yours, he will be available and he is owned in only 48% of Yahoo League. So he's going to be around. Go and have a look. I have got him on an extraordinarily large proportion of my team. One, two, three, four, five. Five of my 14 teams, The Undertaker, is on, including my uh, Red Rock Listener League, Head-to-Head Champions League team, which includes uh, Steph Curry 
and Joel Embiid. And I'm uh, pretty happy with the way that team's looking at the moment too. But if if the Undertaker's around, go and, uh, go and add him. And I'm sure if you've got a question about who to drop, you will tweet that to me and I will do my best to answer the question. So he is your waiver wire line of the night. Let's move on to a less than savory topic. And that is the dud of the night. Forgot to play that drop the last couple of days, but it's back. Of course, Robin Lopez is your dud of the night. Six points with two rebounds and an assist. Two of six from the field and two of two from the free throw line. Um, the Bulls are a shit show. We can talk about shit shows as much as we want. There are plenty of them in the NBA. Lopez struggled here, but he's been okay this season. 109th ranked player, averaging 13.5 and 5.5, and 1.1 blocks. And like Deadman, his value comes from the steady percentages, 51 and 80. Even though the 80 is on minimal attempts, it is enough to provide him at least a, a, stabling, a stable sort of presence. Now, he could get traded at any point this season, which would really hurt what he can do. But it appears pretty certain that Chris Felicio is not stepping up and taking his minutes and that Bob Paul Portis remains really, really one of the uh, more frustrating and, and shittest players in the NBA. So I don't think he's going to step up and play those uh, play those center minutes. But it wasn't a great night from uh, from Bob Lopez here. In fact, over the last three games, he's down to just 26 minutes a game, which is a little bit concerning. And he hasn't gotten over 28 minutes in either of his past four games. But in those last three... He had six and two today. He had three and five two games ago, but there was a 17 and four game wedged in there against the Spurs. So he's still a guy to hold, but they are trending down and a trade could really, uh, could really impact things for Rob Lopez, um, despite a relatively strong start to the season. We've got so much to talk about today. There are 11 games and we're going to get into that in just a sec. It was just monster line after monster line. So we'll talk about that all now. Um, bring that up for you guys up on that screen which of course is the place that you want to look at it. I, I just feel like there's, it's one of those days where so much happened that I feel like the stuff that happened in the earlier games happened on a completely different day. That's how far, that's how much stuff actually went down. The Jazz had an early lead over the Knicks. We're going to talk about the Jazz and the Knicks first. Had an early lead over the Knicks, but the Knicks came back and got the victory. The Jazz just cannot get anything happening on the road. There's quite a few things to talk about with Utah, though. Rocket Rodney Hood, he is settling into this bench role fantastically. 32 minutes, 30 points, 6 triples, 3 assists, and 2 blocks. Looking really good. His points totals have been fantastic. He has to be owned. He's only owned in 64% of leagues. He should be owned. I don't care that he's coming off the bench. The minutes are there, and he's looking pretty good. Whereas the guy that replaced him, uh, dashing Don Mitchell, 36 minutes for him, 19-4-3 and three with three, uh, three triples, looked really hot early on, the shooting was fine, 47%, clearly he is a must-own guy, but he's only owned in 58% of leagues, so I'm not really sure what's going on there, but I guess in most of your leagues, he would be snapped up, but both of those guys need to be owned, Rick Rubio owners would be happier with this, 31 minutes for Ravishing, 13-2-4, only the four assists, but at least he stayed on the court for 31 minutes. He scored a little bit. He got a steal. Um, I guess it eases the panic somewhat. Tabo Cephalosha looked like he was going to have a significant role with Rudy Gobert going down, but the last two games against bigger power forwards, Porzingis and Taj Gibson, Cephalosha's been limited, and he played only 16 minutes here, 5-3-1. But the next game that the Jazz play is against the Brooklyn Nets, which is the game that he did play 32 minutes in. So maybe he becomes a streaming option there. Otherwise, he's not going to be a standard league player. Jonas Shirepko hit three triples in his start, 22 minutes. Five boards there for Urepko. He might be a little bit limited against Brooklyn. But after that, most of those other matchup, I, I imagine Tarbo sees his minutes reduced and Urepko plays, you know, the 20 odd a night and Tarbo at a similar amount. Derek Favors only six points, but a decent line nonetheless. 10 and five, a steal and three blocks. The poor shooting really hurt him. He was only 
three of 11 from the field. And if he converts more of those, then we're talking about it, you know, a 12 and 10, five assist, one steal, three blocks, and it's a good line. He has to be owned pretty clearly. Well, Jingle and Joe bounced back from a zero burger in the points column the other day. 13 points, three triples, four rebounds, and two assists. Some strong numbers from Jinglin. On to the New York Knicks. I am always going to reference this, but pretty much every offseason, don't panic at the start of the year. Tim Hardaway Jr., 26-6-6, three triples in 37 minutes. This guy is terrible. I am going to drop him. He is killing me for one week, man. My field goal percentage can't handle it. He's fine. Don't panic is the name of the game in fantasy so much. If you were able to add him off the waiver wire, which I am sure many of you would would have been able to do because I couldn't have recommended it any highly, any more highly, I wouldn't have thought. You know, hold him or add him if he's available, and it's paying off. He'll go through some slumps. There's no doubt about that, but this is more representative. Porzingis was good. Porzingis. Yep, thanks, Steve. Uh, 22, 8, and 2 with two blocks. Wasn't his greatest night, but still, that's a good performance. Well, Courtney Lee... 39 minutes for court, 19 and 7, 3 assists and 3 triples, and then looked like he'd really hurt his hamstring at the end of the game. Turns out he said he just copped a knee in the ass and he is going to be fine to play, so that's good news. Now, Courtney Lee, you're not expecting 19 points out of him, nor are you expecting 39 minutes, but he's been a relatively consistent guy in terms of minutes played, and he can be, if you're looking, if your team's looking good and there's no high upside type of guys or you're really that strong that you don't need to stream, Courtney Lee has 12 team value. It's more that his value is just so limited in terms of upside that often streaming in that position gives you more value. But if your team is really, really strong, yeah, having Courtney Lee there as a steady option is totally fine. Yeah, streaming is not something that you absolutely have to do every week if your team is just that much better than everyone else. And if you've got a really strong punt strategy, you often don't need to stream. And Lee can help there. Ennis Cantor, 24 minutes, 13 and 4. Fine numbers, but... You know, the minutes are going to fluctuate, but one thing we did hear from Jeff Hornacek, um, My name is Jeff. Thanks, is that he did, um, he does anticipate that Joachim Noah will be inactive for the foreseeable future. So that's great news for, uh, Ennis Cantor's minutes. It's good news for the cock monster Kylo Quinn as well, who did his thing four and six with two steals and two blocks. Noah's the fourth center on this depth chart, I would guess, while Bill Hernan Gomez is third, and neither of those guys are going to play, um, it appears, most nights. It wasn't the best night for Frank Nilakina, the French Prince, 7-4 and four with two steals in his 20 minutes, but I still like him as a 12-team stash. But if Mitchell's around, if Rocket Rodney Hood's around, I'd be adding those guys over Nilakina. Doug McDirt, 5-7. and seven. Hey, seven rebounds. He might as well throw a party when McDirt is able to do that. That just doesn't happen very often uh, at all. The next game, the Washington Wizards and the Miami Heat. Johnny Wall, 27-4-6, a steal and two blocks. A really strong night there. Well, Otto Porter, man, does this guy ever miss? It feels like he never misses. 12-13, two triples, two steals, but a usage of 11%. He took eight shots. That's that's the real problem with Otto is he's ceiling, and he's I think he's the 13th-ranked player this season. I probably should have a look at that so I can give you something uh, accurate. Where is Big Ott Porter. He's the 14th ranked player this season on a usage of 16.7%. The only player aside from Draymond and Al Horford in the top 24 with a usage of under 20, and he is the highest rated player with a usage under 20 in those uh, in those fantasy ranks. But it does limit what his upside can be. He is shooting at a, it's unsustainable. 58% from the field and 50% from three. Those numbers will come down, and he'll probably find himself settled in the 30 to 40 range, I would guess. So if you can get a top 15 guy back for him, there's no doubt that I would do that. Executing that might be a little bit tougher, though. Um, Brattles Beal had 26 and 7. He's just consistently good. While Markeith Morris had the, um, I guess, the weird 
designation of fouling out and then being ejected. So fouled out and then got copped his second tech as he fouled out and was ejected from the game. Had 15 points in uh, in 22 minutes. Not much else for Markeith. He is a fine guy to own, but I think his upside is pretty limited. While Kelly Oubre had seven and five in 31 minutes. And Marcin Gortat, tell you what, he's not going to be ownable for much longer. 27 minutes, two and five for Gortat there. Onto the heat, the iron shoulder, Goran Dragic, 21-4-2 in 37 minutes. That is strong. Hassan Whiteside, 14-21, and 21, also strong. Dion Waiters, 19-2-5, also strong. Um, Joshy Richardson, 4-3-2, not so strong. Not a good night from Richardson. I am still a guy that does believe in him. The minutes are fine. He played 34 here. The shot attempts didn't fall. Uh, the shot attempts weren't really huge anyway, but I'm still a believer in Joshy Richardson. I'm also still a believer in Jim Johnson, but he didn't really make us proud today. 27 minutes for James, 5-2-2, and and before the game, he detailed how it is an adjustment for him this season, how he was able to do pretty much anything he wanted at the end of last season with Richardson ailing, with Waiters out, with Winslow out. He was able to run as much as he wanted to, could do everything, and that's not the case this season, and we saw some big games from him not long ago against the Warriors. He put up an absolute monster. But he has struggled since then. He's a guy to hold. I was marginally concerned. I said this last week. I was concerned about him heading into this season. I didn't think he'd live up to his ADP numbers. And he made me look stupid in those first couple of weeks. But it's starting to get more into that situation that I did envisage for him in heading into the season. And I don't believe I have him in any leagues um, because I was a little bit concerned. Tyler Johnson played 31 minutes, started hot, then missed a lot of shots, 15-2-2. Two two. I, I don't think that he's a must-own 12-team league guy, but he's into one of those okay-to-own situations where if you sent me a roster with him on it, I wouldn't say, man, you, you, you're ridiculous. Why is he being owned? I wouldn't really say you're ridiculous at any point. But yeah, I think he's fine, but the minutes are going to be up and down. Justice Winslow struggling again, 7-5 and five in 22 minutes, and he is uh, he's slotting into the Luke Babbitt, I'm a starter, but played 20 minutes sort of a role. The next game, um, I've got quite a bit to say about the next game because it's the Sacramento Kings and the Atlanta Hawks. The Sacramento Kings continue to be an absolute disgrace of an organization, especially the coach. Now, Dave Yeager does not have a sterling reputation around the NBA. He was um, pretty, um, pretty shit blokey. In his time in Memphis, he, I don't think, was, was a good coach. I believe that we know what Memphis did. Yeah, they were all grit and grind. And the first five games in his tenure there in Memphis, he said, oh, cool, we're just going to do everything opposite to what we're good at and what we've done before. And they got smashed. Remember that game? They got beaten by the Warriors by about 50 points. And then he adjusted. What he is doing in Sacramento is disgraceful. Um, not playing Scalabissier at all until you're 43 points down with seven minutes remaining in the game or eight minutes remaining is just indefensible. Playing Zach Randolph 25 minutes. Now, Zebo had 16 and 4, and that's fine. And, you know, veteran leadership so important. Have your veteran leadership. It's not. It's bullshit. It is absolutely ridiculous coaching decisions. Every player is playing like 24 minutes a night. Nobody has a defined role. The starters get their ass kicked almost immediately in every single game. Zach Randolph slows things down. He's not able to run. He's not able to defend. And the bullshit excuse of Scalabissier not playing because of defense, it shouldn't fly. Nobody should let it fly. Kings fans shouldn't let it fly. Kings media shouldn't let it fly. It is a load of shit. It is disgraceful. And it shouldn't be allowed to continue. Now, Randolph is a fine veteran. He should play 20 minutes a night. And Scal should play 28. That's what they should be doing. You could make the argument that Labissier is a better player than Randolph now anyway. And Randolph scored 16 points. And... I don't care. He's a horrendous defender. He clogs up the offense. He doesn't provide anything to a team to be good. And maybe they don't want to be good. But you can be bad while developing your young players. 
And nothing makes sense on this team. If your league is a 12-team league and there is not one single Kings player on a roster, that is not a that is not a bad thing. And that is just ludicrous to think that nobody can have any sort of value because it's just a complete shit show. Now, George Hill was okay for his second straight game, 12-1-2 with three steals, but just 27 minutes. I don't have any faith that he's going to continue to play okay. Maybe you'd own him. Maybe you could own Budrick Heald, who had 6-2-2. and Who knows? De'Aaron Fox had 2-1-2 and in 19 minutes. Why has his minutes gone down? It is just... Willie Cauley-Stein, 21 minutes. I don't think Cauley-Stein's that good. I don't think he's a huge, huge prospect for the future. But this is bullshit. I don't need 17 minutes of Costa Kufos. I don't need 25 minutes of Zach Randolph. Nobody does. And they got absolutely pants today. It was a dead-set embarrassment. And the fans shouldn't be embarrassed because it's nothing that they do. They're, they're great people, the Sacramento fans. It is the management. It is the ownership. It is the coaching. It is just it is just absolute bullshit. And it needs to change, and I don't think it will because it never changes with this team. The Atlanta Hawks. Talked about the Undertaker. Torian Prince. He's had a really good season, and I don't understand. I get questions about him. Oh, man, do you think Torian Prince is going to pick it up? Do you think he's going to be able to do something good this season? And my response is, man, he's a top 70 player. Like, what the hell else do you want him to do? There's just, he's owned in 60% of leagues. Why? He is owned in 60% of leagues. Budrick Heald is owned in 67. Zebo is owned in 62. Willie Cauley-Stein is owned in 71. None of that makes any sense. Prince has to be owned in your league. 14, 5, and 8. 8 assists. Massive surprise. 4 steals. 1 block. 3 triples. Huge game from him. He'll have some turds, no doubt, but that's a big one. Schroeder only played 25 minutes, but still at 21 and 8, so a nice night there. Well, Lukey Babbitt suffered a back injury, uh, only 11 minutes for him, 13 points, 1 rebound, and 1 block. Now, the Baptist, he's an interesting player here. Four minutes in the first half, out of the rotation. Then Babbitt got hurt, and he really, really did the old uh, Bob Porter special in dominated junk time. 25 minutes for the Baptist, 14 and 8, and no other stats. And... Given the propensity for him to foul, the return of Ursa over, the fact that Tyler Kavanaugh is playing 22 minutes a night and Mike Muscala is going to be back, and the fact that when everyone's healthy, Collins just won't play a power forward at all, I am not... Look, I, I think his potential is fantastic. A 14 eight's a really good performance, a really good level of production. I'm just not all that confident in labeling him a must-own guy because there's always just something. Like, if Muscala's back the next game and Babbitt doesn't miss... Yeah, where does where does the Baptist fit in? Is he play seventeen minutes? Is that enough to hold on to? I'm I'm a, I'm as big a fan of him as anybody, but this was not a good sign. Despite finishing with fourteen and eight, it wasn't a good sign for him. Ballinelli had ten two and five, not his best night, but but that's fine. While Isaiah Taylor and Malcolm Delaney both saw over twenty minutes, and Kent Bazemore just the twenty three. But it was a blowout. It was a smashing. It was it was just it was disgusting. Speaking of disgusting. Hello darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again The Chicago Bulls. They made a change to the starting lineup. Powell Zipso was removed so that Quincy Pondexter can start. Remember, Quincy Pondexter almost died. Hasn't played in the NBA for three years. But we'll start him. We'll play him 12 minutes, but we'll start him. Hoiberg, what are you doing? Justin Holiday was out of this one for personal reasons, so Chrissy Dunn started next to Jaron Grant, and Dunn had started to look okay this season. This was horrendous Chris Dunn. This was the Chris Dunn that I said is an absolute shit player. He was bad. 3-6-3 three, three on 1-11 of 11 shooting, including some absolutely horrific air balls. Just looked bad. Now, I would still consider him a 12-team league guy, 
but it wasn't good. Jaron Grant, also not good. 6-3-3 three, and three in 27 minutes for Jaron, and he did not start the second half. They moved Chrissy Dunn to point guard, and they finally inserted Denzel Valentine into that starting lineup in the second half. Now, Denzel's been one of the Bulls' best players this year. 27 minutes, 13-3-2 with three triples. I don't know if I'd label Denzel a must-own guy, especially with Holiday going to come back, with Miritich going to come back, maybe with Levine going to come back. Um, Valentine, he's going to lose some playing time, but he should be getting playing time over Holiday. He should be getting it over Zipsa. He should be getting it over Pondexter. He should be getting it probably over David Nwaba, who is going to come back as well. But he's putting up some nice numbers. He's averaging over two threes a game. He's shooting those at 39%. He's giving you two and a half assists, and he's had nine assists over his last three games. He's got some value, but there are some players to come back. Now, there was an interesting quote from the Bulls saying that when Miritich comes back, he won't replace Markkinen as a starter, which, of course, no shit, but it makes me think that he will come back and be in the rotation because otherwise you would say um, you wouldn't even mention being part of a starter. I wouldn't think. Maybe he's not part of the rotation. Someone's got to go. And the person that needs to go is um, is Punch Bob Shiplock. Bob Portis is horrendous as a player, he and I don't know how often I have stressed this. It happens every single year. Free Bobby Portis. I've got to add Bobby Portis. He's so good, man. He's going to get 27 a night. He should be starting. He's terrible. He is a legitimately terrible NBA player. He is a horrendous defender. He is a shitful offensive player. Go and check out Stefan Noe's um, Twitter feed today, writer for the Athletic Chicago and see some of the Bobby Portis highlights of what he does on offense. The dude I don't think has ever willingly passed in his life. He is just a selfish, selfish ass clown and shouldn't be in the rotation. And this is what I talked about. Hey, the first three games, he put up good numbers. He was putting up an, an astonishing usage rate of 30%. Had one steal in those three games, no blocks. But he was putting up good numbers. 20 minutes here, 5 points, 9 rebounds, and a block. At least he got a block, and he was 2 of 8 from the field. That sort of efficiency was never going to continue. Now, if you did pick him up, he's owned in more leagues than Torian Prince, which is insanity. What the hell's going on? That is insanity. Um, If you did pick up Portis, maybe you want to hold, but he is bad. He is a bad, bad player, and Miritich should be getting minutes over him. Now, if Miritich comes in and says, if this dickhead's around, I'm not playing, and I can totally understand that. But he should be getting minutes ahead of Porter. So I would be bracing. Uh, I was going to say I'd be bracing for Porter to be out of the rotation. But uh, then I remember they don't have a competent coach. So maybe that's not the case. But he's shit. And if you ever need a reminder that Bobby Porter can string together two good games in a row and then completely go back to being one of the more useless players in the NBA, this is the example. But you can still hold him, as contradictory as that sounds. Antonio Blakeney, yes, he is a player. He had 16 points in 22 minutes, a G League guy. Really played well for the Bulls team in Summer League. 16 points with three triples, while Zipser played more minutes than he had in the last week. 17 minutes off the bench, two and four. I reckon there's a real chance that when Waba, when Holiday come back, that he is not in the rotation at all. Um, maybe even next game when Holiday's back. Depends what they do with that starting spot. Do they keep Valentine in there and run with Holiday, Valentine, Dunn? As your one, two, three. That's the way that I would probably do it. But what do I know? On to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh, I didn't even talk about Larry Markkinen. 16 and 6 with two steals and a block. People legitimately thought the Portis was going to start over Markkinen and going to take his minutes. And that is as laughable a suggestion as I could possibly hear. On to the Thunder. Westbrook, 21, 5 and 7, four steals. And he has quietly climbed his way back up to be the 24th ranked player after a real shitful start. Hit all seven of his free throws. He is, uh, he is going to be, you know, he's going to be coming home pretty strong. 
there was no Steve Adams, and I do apologise. It has all of a sudden just started pissing down here with rain, so if you can hear that noise, I, I do apologise. Um, no Steve Adams, so Jeremy Grant played 35 minutes, 15 and 11 with a steal and a block. He has been really, really much improved this season. Really hard to consider him a must-own 12-team league guy, but for the time being, while uh, Adams is out, he's going to have some value on Mallow return from his back injury for 18 and 11. Um, Dakari Johnson started only the 12 minutes as um, as Jeremy Grant got more of that. Paul George wasn't his greatest night after a couple of strong ones. He was 4 of 15 for 13 points and 5 rebounds for Paulie George. Let's move on now to the next game. It is the Indiana Pacers and the Memphis Grizzlies. Daz Collison had had a couple of stinkers in a row, but he turned it around 30 points in 41 minutes, which is most important. Two rebounds and eight assists, while Corey Joseph only played the 22 and had 10-1-4. Vic Oladipo was strong, 21-6-3 with a steal and a block. But Miles Turner owners are panicking. 33 minutes for Miles, which is good. But only 10 points on eight shots, five rebounds, four assists, and three blocks. And he said he's still feeling some of the effects of the concussion, but I would be buying low on Turner. You might be able to get him for a player that is not a top 60 option. And if you can, if you can do that, I would absolutely do that. The other promising sign for people that own DeMontis Sabonis is he looked good and he played alongside Turner in this one. 13, 6, and 4 in 24 minutes for Sabonis, and that is absolutely worth holding. And I would have him over Portis any day of the week. The Deuce Young was a big donut in the last game, but he had five points, not that much better, but had his three steals, had his six boards, and got his 33 minutes, so that's a, that's a positive. On to the Grizzlies. No Mike Conley, who now has having more problems with his Achilles, and I would posit this. His poor shooting, his lack of aggression, is due to the Achilles. It appears that it has to be the case. We see many people come back from torn Achilles and can't shoot. He doesn't have a fully torn Achilles because he wouldn't be playing through it. But if he's having that issue with explosion, either upwards or forwards, it's reducing his ability to drive, to drive and kick, to get to the line, and to hit his shots. So I was all about a buy low on Mike Conley, but the fact that the Achilles has now kept him out, and it appears to me that it's going to keep him out a couple more games here at least, I'd be watching that buy low and going real, real low, if possible. Real low. But I am I am a little bit worried. Marcus Ole picked up the slack. I thought he was going to be the monstrous line of the night. 35, 13, and 5 with 5 blocks. Massive percentages. But when you're going up against the greatest player of all time, um, really tough to get that monstrous line of the night award. And Tyreek Evans, man, I, my bold prediction for today was Tyreek was going to get a triple-double. Didn't quite get there, but 18, 6, and 9. A steal, 2 blocks. He is by far the waiver wire pickup of the year at this point, I would guess, assuming you didn't draft him. We saw Mario Chalmers start. He had 8, 4, and 6 in 30 minutes. Not a must-own guy if uh, if Conley is out, but definitely worth a look. If you've got maybe a, a Tyler Eulis, if you've got a Jaron Grant, I'll, I would make that switch for Chalmers just for the short term. Dylan Brooks, only 24 minutes, 11, 5, and 2 with a steal and a block. Nice value. 14-team must-own, I believe, for Dylan, and he can have some value for 12s. Um, Jim Ennis, only 17 minutes, because quietly, Chandler Parsons played 25 minutes. He had 13 points, three rebounds, two assists, and three threes. I'm going to continue to to say this until it becomes apparent that it doesn't come true. But I think in January, Chandler Parsons is going to be playing 28 a night, and he could be a guy that wins fantasy championships. In January, at some point, at some point in January, he will play 28 a night, I think. Um, He's trending up, no setbacks, looking better, not looking great, but looking better. And I I think we'll see some, uh, some interesting things from Chandler. Jermichael Green made his return only 17 minutes, 8 and 3, but that put Jarrell Martin completely out of the rotation. Uh, Green is a guy to look at in 12 teams. I don't think he's a very high upside player. I'm not a massive fan of Jermichael. 
Um, but he is worth looking at. While well, Benny McLemore played 18 minutes, some of that could be due to the absence of Mike Conley, and Wayne Seldon's 15 minutes are almost definitely due to the absence of Conley. The next game, the Toronto Raptors and New Orleans Pelicans. Kyle Lowry, is he back? Pretty close to it. 22, 11, and 9, four triples, 50% from the field, 6 of 6 from the line. That's 16 free throw attempts in the last two games. Back-to-back nights, 15 made. That was really holding him back. The buy low is closing. He's not going to go back to being the 12th-ranked guy or the 15th-ranked guy, but he is really storming home. 25-9-6 and six for DeMar, and apparently Jonas Valanciunas can play big minutes only against the Pelicans. 29 minutes for Jonas, 21-6 and six with a block. He's looked good against the Pals, and the two games prior to this, he played under 20 minutes. So working out what Dwayne Casey's doing half the time is really tough, even with the backup centers, because Bebe has gone to third string again now. Three minutes only for Nogueira, while um, uh, Jakob Pertl played 16. He had three blocks in that time, Pertl. But both of these guys, they're really you can't really rely upon them for 14-teamers or 16-teamers with the way that the minutes are going. OG Ananobi played 30 minutes in a start for Norm Powell on Tuesday. On Wednesday, he started and played 14 minutes. Now, it was his first back-to-back First big minutes of the season, so that was to be expected. He wasn't a 12-team league ad sort of player anyway. Uh, CJ Miles, 11 threes in two games, hit five here with 17 points, only 19 minutes. The minutes aren't going to be big for Milesy, but he can go out there and hit those threes. So a really good streamer in that situation. Now, Delon Wright hurt his shoulder. That's bad news. It looked bad. He had four assists and three steals, but let's watch that. But the guy you want to go and add in your deeper leagues is Freddie Van Vliet, who played 22 minutes and had 10, 1, and 3. He can hit his threes. He can get some assists, and he would assume nearly all of those backup minutes, but he also will play alongside Kyle Lowry as the backup one and the backup two. So he could be looking at 25 a night for as long as Delon is out. There's just no other good option there because CJ uh, will play at the three more and OG plays at the three and the four. So you're looking at some pretty decent Fred Van Vliet minutes. And if Delon is out and misses some time, I wouldn't be shocked to see Van Vliet put up however long rights out. If he put up top 170 value, I wouldn't be totally surprised. On to the Pelicans. Start with Rajon Rondo, who made his first start. Only 14 minutes, all in the first half. 4-2-8. and eight. So the Rondo owners would be really, really getting a pretty large assist direction after those eight assists. He should be owned. He was a guy that was, I think, underdrafted, in my opinion, in a lot of spots. I'm not a massive Rondo fan, as you're aware, but getting assists, steals, and decent rebounds, he is going to be worth worth looking at. Um, Boog had 25-9-5, four steals and a block on a normal night. That's the monstrous line of the night as well. Tone Davis, 19-5 and five with three steals and a block. And Drew, another strong game against the Raps, 18-4-5 with two steals. And that's great that he did that with Rondo back. Darius Miller, another decent performance, 21 minutes with 13 points. Ian Clark out of the rotation completely. So Miller for deeper leagues, really starting to look a bit better. It's not happening in 12s or 14s or probably 16-team leagues. But Miller has now hit, I think, seven threes in his last two games. And that gives him a, an element of value. Jameer Nelson, 26 minutes. He had 7-4-7, and seven, but he's going to lose that time when Rondo gets back up to speed. While Czech Diallo, they gave him minutes. Don't know why they only gave him two in the last one. 14 minutes for Diallo, 8-3. and three. He should be able to force his way into the primary backup big role because Dante Cunningham's not good, and there's no one else there. But unfortunately, Gentry hasn't believed that so far. He's more of a 20-team league guy, but he is a name to watch because two out of the last three games have been really good from Diallo, and if he can force his way into an 18-minute-a-night role, and then that means if Bull goes down or if Davis goes down, maybe he can slot in and, and start and get 26 and put up some double-doubles. He's a name to watch for sure. It's a little bit more promising than what it looked earlier on uh, in the season when he was getting DMP'd for whatever bullshit reason Casey was throwing out. 
the Pistons and the Bucks, the tackle box. John Lua was back, but he didn't play at all because he's not good. And Stan Johnson returned as well, straight into the starting lineup for Stan. 18 minutes, 2-3, and three, not a 12-team league guy, as you're well aware. The backup big man role went to Eric Morland, who played 19 minutes and 9 rebounds with 2 blocks. Now, imagine the tackle box will come in and he will have um, you know, a bit more of a role, but he's not playing 20 a night. Remember when we were thinking he was going to start? Eh, he's, he's not good. Um, yeah, deep, Deeper league situations for him. Reggie Bullock went from starter to out of the rotation. This is something I mentioned after the last Pistons game. Luke Kennard was going to take his job, and he's done it already. 11-2 and two for Kennard in 13 minutes with three triples and a steal. I think you can almost rely on Kennard for a regular rotation role, and for deep leagues, that's something that you do have to pay attention to. Now, Reggie Jackson owners won't be pleased that he played just 22 minutes and had 6-1-2, and two, while Ish Smith got 26 minutes and had 4-4-4. Four, four, and four. Now, Ish was horrendous going 2-11, of 11, but Van Gundy liked the way that the team was playing with Smith down the stretch, and and that's why he went with him. We saw this happen a few times last season. And then straight away, the next game, Jackson started and he played decent minutes. So I wouldn't be worried at all as a Jackson owner. This will happen a few times this season. And Jackson will bounce right back and have 30 minutes and be fine in the next one. Big game from Avery Bradley as well. 28-2-5 with six triples. For the Bucks. I wasn't worried about Malcolm Brogdon's performance in the last game because it was foul trouble, but he had zero fouls in this one and played 26 minutes because whenever you have the chance to play DeAndre Liggins 20 minutes, I think you've got to take it. If you can get Liggins 20 minutes, you just you absolutely have to do that um, so that you can minimize your reigning rookie of the year and former starting point guard. Brogdon still has good numbers, so you're not dropping him. 12-6-3, a steal and a block and two triples. I just find Jason Kidd's minutes distribution quite curious which maybe I could name a song that Jason Kidd's minutes distribution is quite curious. sounds like one of those um, Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco type song titles. Maybe maybe that's one of them. Anyway, Johnny Henson, 10 and 10 with two blocks in 28 minutes. He should be owned while Thon McCurr had four blocks. And he's getting 20 a night now, McCurr, with Greg Munro out of the picture. And that boosts his value a little bit, but not to 12s or not to 14 team leagues. Yanni, 21 and 6, three steals, four blocks, monster. Chrissy Middleton, 27, 6 and 8 with two steals. Great to see him put that up. Well, Eric Bledsoe, this is what his owners were waiting for. 14, 6, and 8. Three steals and two blocks. The eight assists is great. The defensive numbers are fantastic. Tone Snell, 39 minutes. That's a bit too much for Tone Snell in any sort of situation. 13, 4, and 2. But two blocks and two threes gives him some value. I look at him more as a 14-team league guy. Don't really like him for 12-teamers. Even though he has been putting up you know, some not bad numbers. And he is the 117th ranked player this season but he's doing it because he's shooting 49% from three and 53% from the field. Numbers which are almost assuredly going to drop off and then a lot of his value will drop off with it. The next game, the San Antonio Spurs and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Pat Mills with his second strong game in a row. 13-1-5 for Millsy with two triples, more of a 14-team league guy. While DeJounte Murray had two and four in 20 minutes. I think we should be looking at uh, Tone Parker's return in about two to three weeks would be my guess. Um, Pop wave the white flag in this one. So we saw some extended garbage time. Joffrey Laverne in the back-to-back 13 minutes, so he's fine from his ankle. Rudy Gay had 7-5 and five in 22 minutes, but the minutes are way down from Gay, and they're only going to get lower, I think, or they at least won't go up when Kawhi returns. Powell had 13-8, and eight, while Dan Green had 11-2-2. Two and two. Not really a huge amount to talk about with the Spurs, I don't think. Onto the Wolves, and there's very little to talk about with them because everyone just plays as many minutes as they can. 26 and 17 for Townsie. Jeff Teague had 16, 1 and 6. 
Um, no Gorgie Jang. So Taj Gibson only played 30 minutes because Nemanja Bielitsa got hot and had 11-4 and four with a triple one. Bielitsa is probably the best of that bench group, which includes Jamal Crawford, Shabazz, Muhammad Gorgie Jang, and Tyus Jones. Wasn't a good night for Wigo. He had 11-2-3. Also wasn't a good night for Jim Butler with only the six points. But if you look at the rest of his line, I think you'd be okay with it. Um, the six points is bad. We're aware of that. But he had five boards. He had five assists, which is what we wanted for him to be a little bit more aggressive with the assists. He had three steals. He had a block. And it's just that he shot two of 13 from the field. Let's get that to seven of 13. That's an extra 10 points. And then 16, five, five, three, one is not too bad. Now, he only got to the line two times, get to the line another four or five times like he did last season. That's another five points. And we're talking about a a much better line at at 25 and five with three steals. Now, of course, it's a lot of ifs there, but they're not outrageous ifs. They're not crazy statements for me to say, oh, imagine if Jim Butler hit 50% of his shots. Imagine he got to the line four more times. They're not crazy things to say. Maybe they are. But everything else there was okay. So I'm not overly panicked based on this performance from uh, from Jim. Um, the next game, we'll take a look at the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Charlotte Hornets. LeBron always kills the Hornets, and he did it again. 31-6-8, two steals and a block, four triples, 50% on 24 shots. That's fantastic from LeBron. Uh, the plumber, J.R. Smith, 10-5-3 with two steals and two triples. A nice end-of-your-bench 14-team league guy, maybe a 12-team league guy. The minutes are pretty consistent, while Dwayne Wade was back under 20, having 7-7-5. Seven, seven with two steals after a strong game against the Knicks. No Derek Rose, but Iman Shumpert's a better player at this point. 7-4-4 four, and four in 34 minutes for Shump. Two steals, one block. Yeah, some okay defensive numbers, but more of a, a deeper league sort of a talent. While Kevin Love only saw 27 minutes, didn't play down the stretch, but 22-10 and 10 with a triple one. His owners would be happy with that, even if they're not happy with the minutes. Whereas Jay Crowder's owners, forget that, 5-3-3 three and three for Crowder, 27 minutes. There shouldn't be Jay Crowder owners. Jay Crowder owners, Jay Crowder shouldn't be owned in more leagues than Undertaker or Torian Prince, but that is currently the current state of things. On to the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. 22 points, six rebounds, two steals, and two blocks. So, of course, the questions came pouring in. You see, a must-add. And I would put it this way. If you think that Michael Kidd-Gilchrist getting 22 points is not an extreme anomaly, then I'm not sure what to tell you. Now, the defensive stuff was nice, two steals and a block, but he hadn't been really doing much defensively this year. I think he can average a steal and a block. I think he can average some rebounds. But that offense, he's not shooting 71% every night. He's not taking 14 shots every night. So that's the outlier part. Now, sure, he can absolutely be owned in 12-team leagues if you're looking for a very specific set of skills, and that's a steal, a block, and rebounds. Forget the points. This is just not happening for him. But it was a good performance. Nick Batum, the Charlotte Hornets official account. Batum will be making his debut tonight and starting and playing 20 to 22 minutes. Next minute, 32 minutes for Batum, 16-5-6 with two steals. Activate him out of your IR. Great, great return. So with him playing 32, with Kid Gilchrist playing 31, what does that mean for Jeremy Lamb? Well, he saw just 22 minutes. 13-5-3 is not a bad line. I would wait off on dropping him unless there's someone you really need to go and add. Like if Torian Prince is around, make the switch. But this is the concern with Lamb is that Batum, Kid Gilchrist, they're going to play these 30-plus minutes a night, and where does that leave Lamb? Well, what it did leave is the Baconator Dwayne Bacon to get 11 minutes and Malik Monk to get only 9 minutes. So if those two guys get limited and Lamb can soak up the majority of those backup wing minutes, then he can retain a level of use. But he goes from being maybe your ninth best player to your 13th best player, and in most cases, that's probably better off being used as a stream-type situation. Dwight Howard struggled, fouled out in 23 minutes, 8 and 5, so that meant Cody Zeller got some extra playing time, but you shouldn't be only Cody Zeller in any 12 or 14 team leagues at this point. Well, Kemba had 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 7 assists. 
Let's get on to the next game, and that is the Orlando Magic and the Portland Trailblazers. Evan Fournier had 22. That's nice. Aaron Gordon has definitely slowed down a bit, 12-5 and five with a steal, with two steals and an assist, but still some decent numbers for him. Terrence Ross had three steals in the first five minutes of the game and, and no others and ended up with 5-4-2, and two. really not a standard league consideration. And John Simmons, the John Simmons greatest shooter on earth tour continues. 26 minutes for John, 16-3-3 on 55%, hit both or hit his only three-point attempt. His shooting is through the roof so far this season, and it is really resulting in him putting up some um, um, rankings or, or performances that make you think, oh, he's a must-own guy. But even in saying that, he's shooting 51% from the field. He's shooting 39% from three. He's the 138th ranked player. Two assists, 0.7 steals, 0.9 threes. He's not doing huge, huge amounts of everything that he uh, that he needs to do. So Simmons is uh, is putting together some some good performances, but I feel like the shooting is is definitely something that is going to uh, going to drop off. So just be aware of that. He can be owned, but I wouldn't you know, be classifying him as a as a must own type of player. Um. Nick Vucevic, 11, 10, and 4. That's fine. Well, Mo Spates had 10 points in 16 minutes, but he will probably go back out of the rotation when uh, when John Isaac returns. It was good for Alfred Payton owners to see him play 31 minutes also. On to the Blazers. CJ McCollum, really strong season from him, 24, 4, and 3, while Dame Lillard had 26, 11, and 7. McCollum is shooting at an extraordinarily high uh, rate at the moment. If I bring up his numbers, he is at 47% from the field and 53% from three. When your three-point percentage is 7% higher than your field goal percentage, you know that you are due to come in for a significant amount of regression. So just if you're considering him in trades, he's the 26th ranked player at the moment. I would expect that that is going to drop because he's not going to hit those threes at that percentage. It's just not It's just not going to happen. It is going to drop off. I feel pretty confident about saying that about CJ, but really, really strong start to the year. Um, Caleb Swanigan started, played six minutes, and that was it. He was replaced in the second half. The, uh, the Blazers went three guards with McCullum, Lillard, and Shabazz Napier, who uh, played 27 minutes here. 19 points with five triples for Napier, two assists, three steals, and a block. And he is putting up numbers that make you go, well, what are we... Uh, it'll, it'll make you use the phrase that I really dislike. Oh, anything to see here? Um, he's shooting 59.5% from the field. He's shooting 71% from three. So I'm going to go ahead and say that probably isn't going to stick. He's hitting a nice amount of threes. He's getting you know, a steal a game, a three a game in, in 13 minutes for the season and has been much more impressive than that recently. But I'll, I'll register uh, my official guarantee that he won't shoot 70% from three. But he's looking okay. What they do with that starting power, for, just give it back to Noel Vonley. This Swanigan bullshit, it just needs to stop. Um, Vonley still played his 22 minutes, had four and seven, one of the best rebound stream options that are available. Mo Harkless sucked. And Evan Turner didn't do a didn't do a huge amount himself. The last game of the night was the Philadelphia 76ers and the Los Angeles Lakers. I talked about Embiid, crazy, and he, that's crazy. And then Simmons goes out and has 18, 9, and 10 with five steals and a block on 62% shooting. Again, any other night, Monster's line of the night consideration for Simmons. Just these guys are stupid. 39 minutes for Ben Simmons. He is exceeding everyone's expectations, and I thought he'd be good, but not like this. I haven't even talked about the Bob Cove extension. And for you guys that play in the Red Rock salary cap leagues and you own Bob Cove, be prepared. He is going to take a chunk out of your salary cap this season because his new contract that he signed, even though Woj reported it as four years, 62 million, it's a renegotiation and extension. So he gets the 62 million, some of it this year. 
And then what it ends up being is an extra four years for $47 million. So he's going to go up from a million dollars this year up to about $15 million this season. So if you're in one of those leagues, be prepared that Covington is going to, when when the official numbers come out, Covington's salary number is going to go up and you are going to have to make adjustments on your team. Great contract. Unbelievable value for the Sixers. Just ridiculously cheap. They are going to clear Okafor off the cap next season. Amir Johnson's going to be gone. And um, JJ Redick won't be there at his 22 million. They can be serious free agent players. And why wouldn't you want to go and play with Embiid and play with Simmons and play with Bobkov and have Sharich and have Fultz? There's a real opportunity for them to become powerhouses as early as next season. And it sounds crazy, but they could. Sharich started 7-6 and six with three blocks in 33 minutes. I wouldn't say that he is a must-own player. The 69% of leagues that he is owned in is, is too high. It shouldn't be the case. TJ McConnell, 7-4-4. Four, and four. His value as a must-own guy has dropped off as well. And the I'm owning Rashawn Holmes because even if Embiid doesn't miss time, Holmes is going to have 12-team league value crowd. Is probably feeling a little bit nervous at the moment. He played five minutes and had one rebound and one block. And I am as massive a Rashawn Holmes fan as anyone, but it never made sense to me to have him. He is owned in 17% of leagues, but I feel like he's owned in more of that from people that I talk to or hear or talk about. I just don't see him as a 12-team league guy. Amir Johnson played nine minutes. Holmes, he was a DMP CD the other day. They're going to split the minutes. If Embiid's playing 36 a night, forget it. What are you going to do? You're going to eight games out of homes that are worthwhile? That's not worth it. And you know, again, I could be very wrong in this. Embiid could go down. You could be, oh, Josh, you dick. You told me to drop homes. Um, but there's no point. Owning him now, look, yeah, Embiid could go down. Sure. But if he doesn't, there is it's it's a zero on your roster. JJ Redick, 11, 8, and 5. Good that he contributed in other areas because his shot wasn't falling. On to the Lakers. A big game from Brandon Ingram, which has been a long time coming. 26, 11, and 3. Two blocks. Great, great stuff for Lakers fans to see that from, from Ingram. Corwell Pope, 12, 7, and 2. A steal and two blocks. A nice, well-rounded performance. But Lonzo Ball, yeah, that's yuck. Uh, even when he was shooting poorly, which he just does every single game, it appears like he was doing other stuff. But 2, 5, and 2 in 21 minutes. Bench for the entire fourth quarter while Jordan Clarkson played over him. It's ugly. You still have to own Lonzo Ball, clearly. Same with Julius Randle. And Julius Randle owners would be happy when they start looking at the box and like, yes, he played 30 minutes. He shot 17%. He had 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't think that Randle is a very good player. I know I am definitely in the minority on that. I don't see him as a 100%. You have to drop everything to add him sort of a guy. But, if he's, but he should be on a 12-team roster. Future MVP Kyle Kuzma had 24-7, and seven, and in true Kuzma slash Uncle P slash Doug McDirt style, he didn't do anything else. One assist, zero steals, zero blocks. Is he the Lakers version of Boyan Bogdanovich? I don't know. He's just one of those guys who's just not contributing in those other areas. Good numbers from him, though. Still, obviously, an ownable guy. While Andrew Bogut played 20 minutes, had to be thrown out there to try and stop Embiid. No one's stopping Embiid, but that's good numbers from Bogut. Six and 10, a steal and two blocks, but you're not adding him anywhere. Whereas the Jordan Clarkson, I'm doing whatever I can to take as many shots as I want to a continued. 20 points in 32 minutes for Clarko. Six rebounds, five assists, and two steals on 21 shots. 26% usage. Um, fine to own in 12s, but again, there's just so much about what he's doing that it doesn't feel sustainable. The minutes here, number one, the shot attempts, number two, and the percentage that he's shot in other games. It just doesn't feel like it's something that can continue most uh, most nights. All right, that, uh, that does it. That is all 11 games done. 
for the uh, for the NBA from Wednesday. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back. I think it's going to be a fairly short DFS segment because there are only two games on on Thursday. So I'm going to come back in a sec and talk about that. But before we do that, we're going to have some uh, music from who we're going to have today. Um, Jake McKelvey and the Countertops, and this song is called Landis. Well, I will not know you, whoever you are, and you'll be all in with the slots and the sin. We'll go to my car And if I start falling Down to the ground And if I remain And you cause me that pain That I've heard all about Well I will not hear you Your shuffling song Hooves on the ground And my teeth in my mouth Where they won't stay for long And I will start weeping And swinging at you But not do I know That the faster I go Means the less that I do Guys, we are back. We're going to talk perfect DFS from uh, from Wednesday's game. We'll start with Fangio, Eric Bledsoe, forty-seven point two, Daz Collison, forty-three point four, Chrissy Middleton, fifty point two, and Tyreek Evans, forty-five point seven, Brando Ingram, forty-seven point seven, Kid Gilchrist at forty-one point two, Benny Simmons, sixty point eight, Jeremy Grant, thirty-three point seven, and the process, Joel Embiid, ninety-three point five. Yes, ninety-three point five Fangio points. 463.4 total, uh, and that cost 59,800. Over on DraftKings, Lowry had 50.25. That's Kyle. Chrissy Middleton, 51. Torian Prince, 41.25. Jeremy Grant, 34.75. Embiid at 90.75. Rocket Rodney at 44.25. Ingram at 48.75. And Marcus Gasol with a monster 70.75 in his own right. And that is a total of 431.75, and that cost 49,000. $700 dues. Two games on, on Thursday. So it is a definite situation, in my mind at least, of limiting your DFS exposure on these two games. And next week, we're going to have a, a one-game slate, which I don't even think there'll be any contests on. That might be included in some other things, but yeah, there'll be a one-game slate next week or a one-game day anyway. Limit your exposure on this day. The first game we'll talk about is the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. A, an absolute must-watch game. The Celtics, I believe, have won 13 straight. The Warriors are the Warriors. It's in Boston. National TV. Absolute lock-in. I am I am already turgid at the moment thinking at this of this game. The Warriors are favored by six and a half, and the total here is two hundred and fifteen points. Steph Curry did not practice, but he is still probable to play, so we expect him to go. If he doesn't go, then of course Durant, Clay, and Draymond all become really strong cash plays, and Shawnee Livingston gets a bump in his value as well, as does Uncle P Nick Young. Uh, for the point guards here, Steph's at nine thousand seven hundred. 
you don't have many options on a two-game slate. So Steph is, is obviously in play. He wouldn't be the guy I'd lock into my cash lineup, but I would consider him a GPP guy. I'd be more likely to lock Kyrie in at 8,300. We know how he goes in big games. We know how he goes against the Warriors. Yeah, expecting 40 out of him, I don't think is too much to ask out of Kyrie, especially with the mask on. So I think he is definitely worth having a look at at $8,300. Terry Rozier at 4400 he had two points in the last game. And while I expect him to do better than that at 4,400, I'm just not interested. While Livingston had 29 replacing Steph, he's at 3,200. So, of course, if Steph is out, he is an absolute lock, I believe, in, in most cases. At shooting guard, Clay Thompson's at 68. Always a tournament option, but moves to cash if Steph is out. While Marcus Smart at 5,800. Probably a little bit too expensive for Smart. Uh, Pat McCaw, Uncle P., Maybe you look at Nick Young at 3,300. I don't mind his tournament upside, especially if Steph happens to be out. I like Durant in both formats. 10,500 for KD. He averages 55 the last three times he's played against Boston, so that's pretty decent. Well, Iguodala's at 4,000, and I have no interest in that. Jalen Brown, 6,200. I reckon the matchup against the Warriors might be a little bit tough for him with Durant. Or, or clay on him. So at 6,200, I'd probably fade him at that sort of a price where you've got Omri Caspi, who's put up some decent numbers, 3,200. If you believe in a blowout, Caspi at 32 has some GPP differentiation. At power forward, Jason Tatum, 5,600. Much more into Jason Tatum at 56 than Jalen Brown at 62. $600 cheaper. He's a better fantasy producer in general. So I'm more into using him. Whereas Draymond at 8,200. Cash guy, if Steph is out, tournament guy, I believe, at that price if Steph happens to play. Marcus Morris had a nice game in the last one. He's at um, $5,000. I actually don't mind using Marcus Morris here. I think you should include him in your player pool for cash as well. Well, Vanilla Tice at 3500 might struggle to get enough playing time against the Warriors. At center, Al Horford, 7,500. One of the centers who can actually hang against the Warriors averages 46 the last three times they've played against him. We've seen centers being absolutely minimalized and destroyed against Golden State. But Horford's one of the guys I feel a little bit more confident with versus some of the other players. You've got Bainesy, you've got JaVale, you've got Zaza as well. Not much to see with any of those guys. I think Bainesy might struggle a bit against the Warriors. If we move that on to DraftKings, I think that Clay at 6,700 is is still a tournament guy that leans towards cash if Steph is out, while Marcus Smart at 55. I'm a little bit more interested in him over on DraftKings than I am at Fangio. For the cash plays, Steph is 8,700. Love that play. Durant at 97. I love it. Draymond at 73 is also a cash play on DraftKings, while Kyrie at 81. I think he's also very strong with that 40-point upside in a matchup against Golden State. The next game up is the last game of the night, and that is the Houston Rockets and the Phoenix Suns. No spread currently released for this one. Chris Paul will be back. He will start, but he will be limited in his minutes. Devin Booker is listed as probable with an illness. PJ Tucker was ejected in the last game, but he'll be ready to go. And then we've got a couple of guys who are questionable. Tyson Chandler of the uh, of the Suns is questionable with that illness. Greggy Munro is questionable for his first game. So there's a lot of uncertainty in that Suns front court, and Nene is unlikely to play for the Rockets. So Tariq Black will move into the lineup there. Now at point guard, there's a lot more value I feel in this game versus the Warriors Celtics. One Tyler Eulis is a $4,000 guy. Hasn't really done much, but this is a high uh, tempo game. I think he can have a 24 or 25 point outing. So I do like him as a cheap point guard, enabling you to get your Durant or Irvings in as well. And then you've got Mike James at 4,700, which I would definitely not be looking at. 
Chrissy Paul, he's at 8,900. Absolutely no chance that I want to use him. At shooting guard, Eric Gordon had a, a piss-poor one in the last one, only 18 points. He's at 6,100, but I'm, I'm all about getting Eric Gordon in, especially in this matchup. Or well, Jim Harden at 12.5. If you can find the right cheap guys to get in, Jim is fantastic. But it might be the case, given this slate, that just fitting him in becomes too hard and I'd only look at him as a tournament option in that case. As for Devin Booker at 7,600, I feel pretty good about Book getting the 35 or so that he needs to bring back value. At small forward, uh, Tony Warren Jr. at 7,200. Been getting tons of shots, tons of minutes. I'm happy to lock him in. Trevor Reza at 6,000. I think he's fairly strong also. Joshy Jackson, PJ Tucker, really not interested. Powerful Dragon Bender's a tournament-only guy. While um, Marquise Chris, 4,500. The minutes have been fine for Chrissy. He's putting up some okay-ish numbers, but I'd lean more tournaments towards uh, Marquise Marmute, Tariq Black, Ryan Anderson. I'd look at Ando as a GPP guy. I wouldn't feel too great about the other two players. At center, we've got Clint Capella, 7,400, crushing it. Against Phoenix Bigs, you can generally put up some good numbers. And if Nene isn't going to play, the odds of Capella getting to 30 minutes are higher, and I love him at 7,400. Whereas Alex Lennon at 4,800, Tyson Chandler and Greggy Munro at 46 and 37. Well, we just don't know how that's going to shake out in terms of playing. Maybe you want to throw Munro into a GPP, but I think it could be a situation that even if he's healthy, he doesn't actually see the court. And if all of them are healthy, Tyson Chandler gets the most minutes. And to me, it's probably a stay away for all of those Phoenix centers. On DraftKings tournament, guys, I've got Bender at 34, Len at 44, maybe, depending on the status of those other guys. Chris at 4,000, which I do really like. And Mike James is down to 4,100. So he's a much more appealing option on DraftKings. For cash, I've got Ariza at 52, TJ Warren at 65, Euless at 42, Eric Gordon at 62, and Jim Harden at 12.7. As I mentioned before, if you can fit in some other reasonable players around him. Devin Booker at 75 and Clint Capella at 7,200. Let's have a look at some of the other sites on Yahoo. Some tournament options. Options: Tyson Chandler at the minimum, as is Dragon Bender. Luke Marmute, Alex Len, Mike James are some tournament plays. Whereas for cash, you've got Tyler Eulis, Andre Iguodala as a minimum salary player is worth looking at. Marquise Chris, Trevor Ariza, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Tony Warren Jr., Jason Tatum, Clint Capella, and Jim Harden. On Moneyball tournaments, Bender. And Marquise Chris are two GPP guys. And then for cash, I've got Capella, Booker, Harden, Durant, Ariza, Curry, Clay, Warren, Tatum, and Eulis. And we'll wrap things up with draft stars by looking at the tournament options of Mike James and Dragon Bender. And then um, Cash, Devin Booker, Draymond, Jim Harden, Durant, Gordon, Curry, Tatum, Ariza, Irving, Warren, and Eulis. We are done for today's show, guys. So much shit went down in the NBA. I hope you guys enjoyed it. A small day tomorrow. Watch your DFS exposure. Subscribe to this podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. And leave a review. Five stars, of course, is the only way to go. And if you are on YouTube, subscribe. Give a thumbs up and leave a comment there as well. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Raymond Green.